Hello guys, my name is Rocky Bello. If you guys haven't heard of me, I'm a podcaster that wants to inform people about Nigerian history one podcast at a time. Remember to follow me if you haven't and please spread my podcast on social media sites so more people can learn about Nigerian history and leave ratings below to let me know how I'm doing. Thank you guys so much for helping the podcast reach 800 downloads. You guys are the reason why I do this podcast and you guys are the reason why this podcast will prosper. Today's fun fact is that in 1967, President Gowon split Nigeria into 12 states from 1967 to 1976. These states are are Northwestern State, Kaduna State, Kano State, Northeastern State, Kawa State, Banu Plateau State, Western State, Bengdel State, East Central State, Cross River State, Cross River State, and Lagos and the River State. Before we start the episode, remember to follow the podcast TikTok for more fun facts and, and podcast material. Um, the podcast, the, the podcast TikTok name will be in the bio. For today's episode, we'll be talking about King Jubo Juboha. I'm sorry if I pronounced any of these names wrong. King Jobo Juboha is not actually his real name. His real name is, Man- is Mana Mi Banaso. King Jubo Juboha was the name that his master gave him since he was a slave. Mabanaso Maba- was born in 1821 in Umuduru Oha, Amakbo. He was the third child born into his Okawara Zumburu parents. Various explanations exist for why he was sold into slavery. It was allegedly due to his top teeth, which were considered to be a taboo. Other tales claim that he was abducted by by adversaries of his father and sold into slavery. However, there is one thing that is certain. He was a slave when he entered Bonnyland, where his first master gave him the name Jubo Juboha. The Igbo country was in disarray in the 1800s because Europeans had invaded the region in search of slaves and to trade for weapons, tobacco, and and, and ammunition. Additionally, black slave uh, raiders conquer other areas and sell Igbos into slavery. Juba was bought by Chief Igan Puhoma Allison of Boni. The Delta villages were vital to European and American trade with the Nigerian with Nigeria up to the end of the 19th century. These settlements served as intermediaries, transporting commercial commodities from American and European supercargo ships and anchored off to the coast and bringing back in exchange the exports of the hinterland, primarily palm oil. The canoe was essential for trade in the delta since it was surrounded by salty wetlands and is divided by a maze of rivers and streams. Canoe houses were used to organize the delta civilization. A canoe house served as a center of social organization as well as as a cooperative commercial unit and a local government entity. A rich merchant was its founder and his family and countless slaves ran the house. A wealthy house may have thousands of free and bonded members and hundreds of trading boats. Leadership by merit, not by birth or ascriptions, was required in this fiercely competitive culture if a house was to advance in the cutthroat struggle that prevailed between houses.
A person of servile origin may climb to the head of a house if they had the charm and talent, but, but they would never become king. Jaja would do all of this and more. Chief Allison sent Lo Jaja to his buddy Madhu, a chief of the Anna people. People? I don't know how to say it right. Anna people? I'm sorry if I pronounced this wrong. Anna people house? One of the two houses that make up the royal family. Since he found him to be too, um, too confident for his taste. The other being the Manila, um, and there was another house called the Man- Manila Pipil House. Jaja was classified as an imported slave, the lowest rung in Boni slave society, as opposed to somebody who was born a slave but raised in the Delta. He spent his formative years paddling for his owner's large trading canoes as they made their way to and from their, the interior marketplaces. He immediately distinguished himself with the Ijo custom of the Delta, and he showed extraordinary talent and financial savvy, and gained the admiration of both the locals and the European supercargoes. Jaja's decision to switch from canoe paddling to commerce was uncommon for a slave of his level, but because of his integrity, wit, and friendliness, friendliness he quickly prospered. Jaja turned his back on body politics for a considerable amount of time and focused all his tremendous energy on acquiring fortune through commerce, the Delta's primary route to power. Because of the bitter and um, unresolvable struggle to dominate for dominance between the Manuela Pipel uh, House and the Anna Pipel House to which Jaja belonged, Bonnie politics were tense at the time. Interestingly, both, house, both houses were presided over by notable figures of Igbo slave roots. Oko Jumbo of the Manila House and Madu later succeeded by his son Alali of the Anana of the Anna House. Alali left his left his home a terrifying debt of between ten thousand and fifteen thousand euros, payable to European supercargoes when he passed away in eighteen sixty three. All of the qualified leaders of the house rejected to be nominated to lead it out of fear of failure. When Jaja agreed to fill the gap, it was a huge relief. He started arranging his money to get he started arranging his money to get his house in order with his friend with his carefulness. He made friends with both groups with both house groups because he was aware that the Delta economy de- depended on the riches of the European commercial community on the coast and the palm oil markets in the interior. In just two years he had paid off the debt and his predecessor that his predecessor had left behind um, behind and he put his home on the road to success. He placed his house on the path to prosperity in just two years by paying off the debt that that um, his predecessor Aladi left behind in 1869. Jaja founded a new colony called Opodo where he later assumed the title of King Jaja of Opodo. There he rose to a position of prominence and broke away from Boni. Opodo ruled with expertise and um, and um, cunning and smarts, dominating the lucrative palm oil trade in the area. 14 trade houses that were originally part of Boni's 18 trade houses were also located in Opodo. Additionally, under his rule, King Jaja of Opodo 
barred British traders from barred British uh, traders from entering the interior. This was a wise choice that earned him the market monopoly. Because of his success, he was able to carry palm oil to Liverpool without the aid of British people. Instead, he did it unhindered and directly. Chin Jaja of Oporto undoubtedly possessed authority and, and honor in addition to being a, to being a, success, a successful businessman. Chin Jaja of Oporto un, was smart and cunning, which would later lead to the British getting um, defensive and, and um, annoyed by him and later lead to his demise. In 1871, Queen Victoria gave him a sword of honor as a gift when he helped um, when he helped when he helped her take over a local um, kingdom. In Oporto, the oil trade industry was still booming and the land was growing. Therefore, the Europeans desired to dominate the market. Naturally, this led to disputes between Jaja and the British uh, businesses and top sale tycoons. Liverpool native John Holt was one of them. Jaja resisted Holt's attempts to break into his Kwa Ipo River market, but the African Association's Liverpool fans pushed for harsh punishment due to falling rates of profit. Most likely, Jaja was under pressure because of his made-up because of this made-up tale. In 1881, King Jaja demonstrated his cruelty to the Kwa Ibo people while taking natural interests into account. As a response, he raided several of their villages, captured several individuals, and charged about 100 people with engaging in direct commerce with Europeans. The Europeans, the, Br- the British, devised strategies and rules to outwit Jaja as a means of seizing control of the oil area, but he consistently outplayed and defeated their strategies. Infuriating the British, the other and the other European nations declared Oporto as British territory during the Berlin Conference in 1884, and they quickly proceeded to seize it. Henry Hamilton Johnson, a British vice consul, summoned King Jaja to negotiate in 1887 after he continued to tax British businesses. Johnson invited King Jaja on board the warship he uh, had brought to Oporto by September 1887, assuring him of his protection. King Jaja accepted the plan and consented. The other European nations declared Oporto as a British territory during the Berlin Conference in 1884, and they quickly proceeded to seize it. Henry Hamilton Johnson, a British vice consul, summoned King Jaja to negotiate in 1887 after he continued to tax British businesses. And um, Johnson handed him two awful options when he got there. He warned him that he would have to go home and wage war with the British Navy if King Jaja would not allow the Europeans entry. However, he did not have to leave his own country if he, did, if he didn't agree to it. Obviously, a man of character and principle and respect, King Jaja would never submit to such. He refused to give in, which allowed the British to detain him. Then he was tried in Accra at the Gold Coast, now Ghana, where he was transported to London, where he met Queen Victoria and stayed at the Buckingham Palace as her guest. He was banished to the West Indies soon after arriving, although nobody knows what truly um, was happening between him and the Queen. King Jaja of Oporto was, is alleged to have incited severe civil unrest among the Barbados population while he was exiled in the Caribbean. The, the islanders set up, ran and set up a camp at the water's edge right before the ship arrived at its um, landing location. 
The British were supposed to transport King Jaja to the colonial courthouse in the center of the village square, but the intention was to stop them. The next, they stayed there till the next day, and the next day, on a Sunday, the islanders had their church service at the water's edge, directly next to the ship, with King Jaja. And with King Jaja watching it as conducted, the women screamed out and greeting him as he left the church just before the ceremony ended welcoming him as a king of their ancient mother nation. Due to this amount of uprisings, due to this um, amount of praise, the British feared there would be an uprising, so they moved him to the West Vincent. King Jaja received permission to go back to Opodo in 1891, but he tragically passed away on the route. On the route. After, pass, um, after passing away, his remains were transported to Tenerife in Canary, in, uh, Canary Islands, where he was laid to rest. After King Jaja's exile and demise, the Oporto state's influence severely decreased, and the territory was used as a staging ground for uprisings and became easily accessible to slave pirates and was exploited for its natural riches by the British king. King Jaja's remains was removed, was removed and transferred back to the Oporto kingdom, where he was appropriately put to rest. Following numerous complaints and cries, his bones may be found now at a revered grave slash shrine in Oporto, where he laid to rest for a thousand years. Thank you guys for so much for listening. If you guys want to know where I got my sources, email me at rakibadio at gmail.com. And um, remember, remember to follow me on TikTok. Thank you guys for tuning in. Now I'm going to tune out.